Young and Indigenous podcast is an outlet for people to know about Indigenous knowledge, storytelling, and history. Through our youthful journeys as Indigenous people, through these stories, young people and elders share their experiences with us. Without them, we wouldn't be able to do this. We're about to tell some red stories. Stay tuned. <laughs> Yay, podcast! <laughs> Siam Nestelicha Siam Sabachtuk Sanasnachach Lamisin Tholtholitz Kanam Tinaman E. Sabachtuk Sanatan Alex Jefferson E. Shagwal Salsila Donna Cook E. Jesse Acosta Salsila my name is Justina Joe, and I'm from the Lummi Nation. Um, my parents are Alex and Elisa Jefferson. Uh, my grandparents are the late Mary Morris and Alex Jefferson Sr. and Donna Cook and Jesse Acosta. <clears throat> I, um, I'm a teacher here at Lummi Nation School. <laughs> okay, so um, my first question is, uh, why did you want to learn language? I... Um, my very first time that I, I discovered that I was really interested in learning language was in 2007 when I was running for um, Stamish Princess. Ah. And I, the contestants were given the task of um, interviewing elders on the meaning of Stamish. And I stopped by and visited with um, our late chief, to Luke and his mom, Fran, and they talked to me about the meaning of Stamish and also encouraged me to learn to introduce myself in the language. And that was actually a very important part of being princess was being able to do that. And I did win princess that year and I learned how to introduce myself. And from then on, I was just really eager on learning. Wow, that's really cool. Yeah. That's a good story to start off of. Um, why is language important to you? As I got older, I began to understand um, that it was taken away. And I realized that I have the gift of memory um, and I have the gift of being able to um, teach and so I started to see it as a responsibility to teach what I know and to share what I know. And um, it's important because of what has happened to our, our ancestors and, and the residential schools and you know re being relocated to reservations and all of the things that came with that. So I hold the importance in our ancestors and also um, in our future generations to be able to pick it up and learn it. Yeah, that's good. I know I didn't realize how important it was till I graduated high school and they're mm -hmm. just like 
This isn't so important for you guys because, you know, it's just like I didn't learn until in college that it was like taken from us and that we've been here since yeah. like time and memorial. I was just like so mind blown by it. I, like, I don't know if I just didn't pay attention when I was here, but I was just like. Yeah, it's definitely a journey. And there, there are times where within my students that I see that they realize like, oh, hey, yeah, this is important. Mm -hmm. Or they become curious. And um, I know when I see that in, in people, I'm sure to kind of like feed it more so that they could continue on, you know, learning. And I, I have, you know, these conversations with them about, about the residential schools and how their mama survived it. And how lucky they are to be able to learn the language and speak the language every day in our house. Um, and it's a part of our generational healing um, because their mama was, was not allowed What do you guys think about that? Sad. Sad. Yeah. So sad. Oh. Do you guys think that it's a good thing that we're able to learn the language? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Mm -hmm. I know it's cool to see like people like you or like Carla coming from here and growing into this role and becoming teachers. I'd yeah. Like, makes my heart happy and Thank it makes you. me proud. <laughs> um, my next question is, why is language pres preservation and revitalizing it is important? Um, preservation. Uh, preservation is, is something that I feel like is really important because um, the way that it was preserved previously for us uh, was through um, audio recordings from my understanding, and of course of, uh, you know, oral tradition, um, carrying on the oral tradition. Uh, we have so many ways that we can be preserving language. Um, and I think it's important because, you know, we never know what is gonna, you know, happen, like, you know, the world we live in today. Um, and I think it's important to save it wherever we can. Like, I have, <laughs> I have language everywhere here in my classroom. <laughs> I have um, notebooks of my own personal notes of things that I've learned. And I also have tons of audio files that I save, that I, I study and that, you know, I, I have my kids listen to at home. Um, preservation, I feel like is a little bit of a touchy topic when it comes to language because our, our older, uh, you know, teachers and our uh, more experienced uh, language speakers are very protective of it. Um, and I think that part is important in learning language too, is understanding that, you know, when we, when we use it, we use it to educate and we use it to uh, participate in our Stilangan. And I think uh, a part of where that protectiveness comes from is that of what happened to our people, you know, it being taken away or someone using it for, for profit and things yeah. like that. I think um, I think we could do a lot more in Lummi with preservation, honestly. And I, I look forward to, you know, those days to come where we can, you know, do new things. 
I totally agree. And now I one day hope like somebody will make an app so that we can easily just go yeah. on and download the app and it'll, you know, just the Lummi yeah, language or a dictionary. Yeah, yeah will, something. That will be provided for us. You my, know? Uh, my creative wheels are always turning on how we could, you know, get the language out there more. But I think I know, I know like within our culture and with the, with the leadership that we have to take baby steps and, you know, we'll get there eventually. Definitely. <laughs> and I always say, take it one day at a time. Yeah. did you want to become a teacher? Why did I want to become a teacher? Well, I didn't always want to become a teacher. Um, when I was learning, de diving deeper into learning the language, um, uh, when the pandemic hit, um, our department, I worked for behavioral health at the time, okay. uh, wanted us to be able to share things because everybody was like online, right? Mm -hmm. Share things online for our people to engage in. Um, and the language is something that our people are really responsive to. So I was providing weekly content online, um, videos and, you know, graphics and things like that. And I also was taking class two times a week with, um, the culture department and John Ballou teaches those classes and um, Smackia taught them for a while too. And um, I guess um, the, like Ted and Cynthia and Smackia, you know, they all were encouraging me to, to, to become a teacher. And um, at first I was really hesitant and I was like, almost a little scared because it, it, I feel like it's a really big responsibility. And, um, you know, I, and there, there were times where I feel like I didn't know enough to be a teacher. Um, but I come to understand and I came, you know, stepping into the role of being a teacher with, with uh, the encouragement, you know, the late chief used to encourage me too a lot. And tell me to keep going and you know that the place in my heart where I know that you know our leadership and the culture department and you know my teachers and mentors believe in me um, really gives me that push to to be here and um, also like uh, I've very first taught was on zoom I taught the community yeah. culture classes and <laughs> taught people how to introduce themselves and 
um, you know, I had a pretty big audience on there and, and everyone was responsive really well, uh, received it really well. So from there, I kind of, you know, just took baby steps towards becoming a teacher and I landed my first teaching job in um, 2019 uh, in the Ferndale Middle Schools. Without that, I don't, I don't know if I could do it. Without the encouragement, you know, and feeling like they believe in me, I don't think I could do it. I know, all those knowledge holders of language. It's, that's really cool. I mean, yeah. I, um, I interviewed uh, Cynthia a few, last year actually, and it was really, it was a good interview as well. Yeah, <laughs> probably listened she, to it. she mentors me a lot through my um, experience as a teacher. That's good. Why is it important to teach your children the language? I think it's important to teach your children the language because they are the ones who are going to remember something. And it's a part of our oral, oral tradition. So, you know, the things that we learn from our caregivers, uh, whether it's, you know, your child learning from a grandparent or your child learning from an aunt or an uncle or, you know, you, you as a parent yourself, um, they're gonna remember something and, and something about the development of them during the younger ages where they're more, they're gonna absorb it more and remember it more. So the earlier you teach the kids the language, um, the more likely they are to remember it through, throughout their life. Um, my dad, was raised by his grandparents or his grandmothers um, on both sides. Um, my late grandmother, um, Doni Morris or Cecilia Morris, um, she comes from Tulalip and she speaks Lashootseed. Wow. Um, she passed away a couple years ago, but um, my dad used to fall asleep in the bathtub, he said, and she used to keep him awake by um, talking to him in the language, the Lashootseed language, she'd say, you know, um, did you wash your collotted? Did you wash your ears? And <laughs> she would say all of the body parts in the language, did you wash your buckset? Did you watch your nose? You know, <laughs> and Lashootseed. And he remembers those words wow. from that experience. So um, my girls at home, well, my girls received their Indian names last year. And I... Con like it is embedded in them for them to know what their Indian names are and to be able to tell anybody who asks them. Um, I think it's a really strong part of identity um, for them to speak the language and you know know you know what people are are asking them or saying to them. And also, you know, it kind of, it grounds you where you're at. Because I told them, uh, since I'm a language speaker, and a language learner, and I have teachers, someone is gonna ask you, because they know you're my daughter, they're gonna come up to you and they're gonna say, what, Quinsna? And I wanted them to be able to know how to properly respond. So, and it happened. Um, Poch is one of my uh, teachers, and he saw my oldest daughter, and what did he ask you? What, Quinsna? Uh-huh. And she was able to respond properly <laughs> and know what that meant. That's so that's cool. something that we practice together a lot. I have a relative who lived in Seattle, and she was really lonesome for home. Uh, she stayed in Seattle temporarily for a little while, and 
she was really lonesome for home and she stopped by here um, in Lummi and I gave her, you know, some language CDs and she really appreciated it because she just misses, you know, here. And so I think it roots you, like it, it grounds you where you are. And so when you speak language at home, you know, you feel more at home. I think that's the best way I could describe it. <laughs> <laughs> that's really good. I really like that you instill the language in your kids, like the, um, was it the Silent Night song that you had yeah. your daughter sing? I really like, I was like, oh my God, that's so cool that you like taught yeah. her to do that and for her to just be so brave and go out and like just seeing your TikToks too. I'm just yeah. like, wow. My daughter last year, um, she was being assessed in the first grade and, um, you know, they want to know that you could look at a picture of a, of a cat and say, cat, <laughs> but she was saying, peesh. <laughs> and so I had to tell the teachers, I'm like, well, I, I teach them the animals and the language. So that that's where her brain was going first. <laughs> and so the teachers were, you know, really grateful that they worked with me on um, understanding that we're, you know, we speak the language and, you know, she was able to get through her assessment and, you know, speaking the language, which I thought was really cool. But it's really unique to us. Wow. Yeah. That is really cool. I'm glad that her brain went that way. Yeah. Not the other way. I just saying in class how we're like taught English first, but to hear that, like mm -hmm. preserving it is working and, you know, it's being instilled in your children. And yeah. Something that I teach in my classes here too is to think in the language. Yeah. So when I ask them questions, I want them to respond in Chosen and not English first. So kind of retraining your brain once you're a little bit older but once yeah. once they're little um they'll they'll eventually you know their brain will sort out what what to say first they're like I think I'm supposed to do it this way first. yeah <laughs> it's like a, a like a automatic response or like a process wow I really <laughs> love that um why should we save our language and, and then there's a second part on what happened to it why should we save it? Yeah. Um, Not that it was lost or anything, but. I think that a really, really big part of understanding language is understanding our ceremonies. You go to any ceremony and most of what we do is us um, for example, a naming ceremony. Um, we're not just talking about that name. We're talking about those people that carry that name, those ancestors that come with that name. And so the ceremony um, is for them. It's for the people on the other side and the spirit world. Um, same with the longhouse. Um, we do everything for the spirit. Um, for the ancestors on the other side. And that's what they understand. They, they don't understand English. They understand the language. So when we speak the language, uh, when we do those ceremonies and the language is there, um, we're communicating with our ancestors properly. Um, I think that's one of the most important things about saving the language is that we're also saving the 
the ability to conduct our ceremonies um, in that manner and understanding um, what those ceremonies mean. Um, and that involves the language that our late chief used to say, you know, the culture and language, you know, they go side by side. You can't have one without the other. And I, I always remember that. And it took me a while to under, fully understand that, you know, I've been involved in our culture and I went in our longhouse when I was really young, but um, understanding takes a while to, you know, you, you go and you, um, you pay attention and you learn things as you, as you, you know, keep going and you keep growing and understanding. Um, but mostly um, that's what our ancestors understand. And, and that's even how our ancestors conducted ceremonies is, <laughs> you know, for the people before them. Um, so it's just a constant cycle of learning and understanding and really grasping um, what we're doing and why. Wow, I, I totally agree with that. And I always, not that I always tell people, but my brother told me that and then it just kind of stuck with me. Like, wow, that totally makes sense. They don't understand us when we go to that side. Yeah. And it's just like, we we do need to instill this in ourselves so that, you know, they can understand us well once we go to that side. Lena Atzimusmus. Yeah, Lena Atzimusmus. Because we drive by what? Lena. The farm? Yeah, yeah we farm. see the cows. What else? What else do we say? Yeah, Lena at the. Lena at the Yeah. What else do we see? The quenny. Quenny? What's a quenny? A seagull. Yeah. What else do we see? A quallingson. Yeah, a quallingson. Yeah, we say Lang at the Collingson, Lang at the Quani, Lang at the Moose Moose, Lang at the Stakeo. Sometimes Zara will say Lang at the Tlach Tlach. She'll say, look at the oyster, and there will be no oysters. What? Lang at the Salmon. Stranoch. Stranoch. Yeah. Look at the salmon. This one's kind of a hard question. If we were punished for speaking your language, how would that make you feel like back in the day? I, um, recently, uh, we had an assembly for the orange shirt day, um, the national day for, uh, truth and reconciliation. Um, and my mother-in-law, uh, was with us that day. She's from Vancouver Island, and okay. she, at a very young age, was sent to the residential school on Cooper Island, and she talked to me about it, mm -hmm. and she doesn't share her story a lot. That's what I realized, and so I felt very fortunate that she talked to me about her story. I, I spoke at our assembly and, you know, um, did my best to relay the feelings of our Stelangen team to the rest of the school and the students. And um, one of the, the biggest things that the residential schools did was take away our language. And I, of course, I, I would be very upset. It would be traumatizing. Um, and it was for our people. 
Um, I listened to an audio recording of one of my late um, great-granduncles. Um, they were being interviewed, much like we are sitting like this. Um, oh the lady was doing interviews and recording them about the land in uh, Lacamel. I'm also from abandoned Lacamel. Um, she was talking about the land. She was talking about the cultural practices, and then she talked about the language. And my late uncle said in the interview, he said that his dad spoke um, Hokumalam and his mom spoke Lummi language, but they would never teach it to the, the kids. Mm -hmm. They would never learn it because um, of the way that the natives were treated back then. And during that time of that interview, um, he explained how our ancestors were treated during the Bolt decision mm. and the fish wars um, and how they purposely didn't teach their kids the language because they didn't want them to be punished or um, anything bad to happen to them. So there were families that intentionally, even after, you know, the residential schools didn't teach them the language because of the negative um, response that was given to our children from, you know, various different events. Um, so I, I think it's really sad. And I, I feel like I probably couldn't even imagine how our ancestors felt. And I know that still there's a lot of healing that needs to take place and a lot of, um, I feel like you have to be at a place where you can gain an understanding of it and you have to be at a certain point of your life of, of understanding. Um, sometimes I didn't always understand it the way that I do now. It took me, um, you know, realizing the residential school experience, realizing, you know, where we were back then to now and, you know, how bad the residential schools were. So understanding that is really sad in general. I couldn't imagine going through it. I probably couldn't even put to words how they, how they felt or how I would feel. Yeah. I just know that it would be devastating.
I think it's wild that it was literally against the law to be an Indian at one point. Right? <laughs> like, what the heck? What is, yeah. <laughs> and it was illegal to practice our songs and our dances, yeah. like our arts and craft, like everything. There is an intentional law yeah. put against us, and I think that is wild. I don't know, they just wanted to completely whitewash us and just kind of like... Yeah. They're like, there's this one comment in that video where he was like, if you don't learn learn the English ways and you need to leave, like, where are we going to go? We're from here. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. how, like, what do you expect us to do? So, yeah. He kind of spoke a little about this, but who taught you language? Um, I very first started learning from from Smackia. Um, but my very earliest memories of learning language in like elementary school was from Cynthia. Um, and as I started diving deeper, um, I learned a lot from Smackia um, and then John Ballou, uh Potch. He has taught me a lot too. Um, I go to our language department a lot if I have any questions, you know, um, Kali was at, uh, Ted Solomon, he is always, you know, open to my questions and I feel like they're really supportive of me and, you know, my eagerness to know. <laughs> um, there's some, some days where, uh, like the other day I was walking in the parking lot and I remember that I learned the phrase for the sun ray, you know, like when the cloud, there's a cloud and then there's like a sunbeam that goes through it. Oh yeah. And I was like, I know that word, but I couldn't remember <laughs> it. And it was bugging me because every morning when I get here, the sun rises to that side and I see this, the sun rays poke through the clouds like a lot of times. And I, I was like, I know that phrase but I couldn't find it in my notes and I couldn't remember it. And so I asked um, Potch what it was and he told me, but you know, just being able to have people to, you know, ask and, you know, I'm always learning and I feel like we have a lot of teachers here in Lummi that are open and willing to teach. And I also learned things just by like, you know, going to a gathering and, you know, listening to the speakers and um, paying attention to what they're, they're doing at different parts of the work. Um, you learn a lot there just by observing. But I, I've had a lot of teachers, many teachers, <laughs> and I'm still learning. So I'm still <laughs> a student too. <laughs> I spent a lot of time with my late great-grandmother, um, Vesta, and... I remember talking with her and saying, Grandma, like, because she would have been born to, you know, the generation that knew language. And okay. her response to me was, um, you know, I think we did, but I don't remember. I said, Grandma, did you guys speak the language? She said, I think we did, but I don't remember. Wow. She said, my sister told me that we did, but I don't know. And... I, my kind of analyzing her situation, I think the trauma of the schools just blocked her memory of it. And so that did affect my family because, okay. you know, on that side of my family, we didn't, 
you know, language just wasn't common, something we spoke. Um, so yeah, I, I was affected there. Um, my parents learned, uh, my parents had language class and, you know, learned things in school. Like I remember growing up and my mom always asking us like, Kola Queen, what time is it? And, you know, she would call us by our Indian names and, um, you know, language is, was in my home. But I feel like um, the oral tradition of it, you know, from my grandma to my, from my great grandma to my grandma to my mom to me, that wasn't there like it should have been. But I, I, I definitely have hope for our future that like, say I teach my girls and my girls teach their children. I think that oral tradition, hope is there for our people still. Now, see, um, smack you on the snack. Chuklamisan, Virginia Sanatan, Craig Sanaman, Floydy Isabel Sanasosila, Nukchisan Makwalia Quinnasanat Tachel, Nasleek Quinnasquala Coquinosqual, Outsan Kachit Tuklamichasan, E Utatasan Quinnasquinok. Hello, my friends and relatives. My name is Smakia. I'm from Lummi. My Late father was Craig. My mom is Virginia. My late grandparents are Isabel and Floyd Warbus. And I would like to thank each and every one of you for coming here today. I would like to say just a few words. I don't know the Lumi language and I'm still learning how to speak it. As far as, you know, Introducing myself in Klimichasan, you know, that's first things first. It's automatic. I agree. There's one question I didn't ask. Um, why um, is language so important to our identity? Um, you think about our tradition and how, you know, just as we started here today, um, being able to introduce yourself. Um, it's in our tradition to say who we come from. Um, it's in our tradition to say where we come from. Um, you know, you, you talk to an elder or somebody who doesn't know you, they wanna know who your family is and where you come from. Um, so being able to, to do that, uh, you're being able to tell somebody who you are and who you come from and where you come from um, is a huge part of our identity. Um, and knowing that is a huge part of your identity um, because if you know where you're from, you know about those people, you know what they did. Um, you really, really uh, dig deep into understanding um, what it is to be a Lummi or what it is to be, you know, wherever you're from. Um, not everybody uh, sees it that way, I think, but um, understanding, you know, the language is understanding your lineage, understanding, you know, who you come from. You know, I wouldn't be able to introduce myself um, if I didn't know who I came from. Um, and there has been, you know, uh, a small handful of students who I ask, like, who's your grandma or who's your grandpa? And they tell me, I don't know. Mm -hmm. They don't know who their grandparents are. Mm -hmm. 
And so, you know, this, uh, the job of uh, being able to help them understand the importance of that um, in our culture is, um, you know, there are people who come from the longhouse, come from the Skwai Kwai, come from, you know, all of these different gifts that are in our, our culture. Um, and also, you know, being able to understand, like, my, um, you know, there are certain people who are, like, weavers in our community, or people who, you know, are fishermen, and, you know, all of these different people, you learn about all of that when you, when you know who you are, and you know who you come from. So identity is, is essential to, um, to our healing, um, and, recovering from um, the colonial, you know, genocide um, identity is key to, to healing that. Um, I love it here at the school when you know and you see students starting to, you know, become their own person. Um, last week at the assembly, uh, we, we sang and danced here and we have, you know, these little, little dancers who are so passionate <laughs> and our principal was telling me at the end of the assembly, he goes, you know, when you can see that someone has it and they're, they're passionate about it and you can feel it. He said, I was almost crying. He said, I was almost crying seeing this young man dance because you know he has it. <laughs> and that's identity to me is he knows who he is and he knows what he's doing and he knows what that means. Um, those things are, are essential. And I, I wish for all of our people to know what their identity is, to know who they are, because it's a part of healing that generational trauma. It's a part of healing you know, the, the things that had happened to our ancestors, um, it's, it's everything to us. Our identity is everything to us. And the language is, you know, hand in hand with our culture. Um, like our, our late chief says, you can't have one without the other. And identity, you know, you find out your identity in speaking the language. You know, one of the first things people learn is, you know, as an adult is how to introduce yourself. And, you know, you have to know who you are. Well, I really love that you say that. Um, I know. My grandma, before she passed away, that's all she did was like, go tell them who you are. And yeah. <laughs> who yeah. your grandparents are. And this was before we had our Indian names. But as soon as we got our Indian names, we'd like, They'll be like, oh, I'm Quincy, but like in these last three years, I just learned how to say my introduction. My brother taught mm -hmm. it to me, but I just want to continue to use it more, just like you said, because it's a part of who we are, and I really love that yeah. you said that today. And you re represent those people, right? Exactly. So, um, after my girls got their Indian names, um, I, did, I wasn't there, but uh, my daughter told me that um, one of my mentors, one of my language mentors, asked her, what, Quinsna? What's your name? Who are you? And she was able to tell them she passed the test. <laughs> and I was so happy and proud of her because she goes in that. And I told them, I told them my Indian name. Aww. And I said, I'm so happy for you. And if it wasn't for me, you know, drilling that into them, 
she would have said, I don't know. And I've heard, you know, some of my students say that too. I, I don't know how to say my name. Wow. I don't remember it, you know, things like that. So um, encouraging our young people to be proud of, you know, carrying an Indian name and understanding what that means um, is, is really important to me too. So I, I address my students by their Indian names um, in my class that they have Indian names um, and they, you know, rem start to remember it that way or, you know, they form their identity here too. For sure. Yeah, yeah it's interesting to look at those things. Um, my daughter's Indian name um, was actually written on the census uh, when when the United States started to take a census on the Indians on the reservation and our ancestor preserved her name that way. Uh, she, you know, back then they were given the names of like Mary and John, yeah. but she would write her Indian name, her Quilmoksna, <laughs> on the census. That's good. And we saw it. We saw it on the census. I was looking, you know, in our ancestry and saw her Indian name written on the census instead wow. of her English name that she was given. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Before I end, do you have anything that you would like to share? Any stories or just anything that you would want to say to the community or generations just coming up behind us? I would just like to encourage, you know, everybody to, if you feel like, feel that, um, that hunger to learn the language or that hunger to listen to the language um, or even to just, you know, be around our culture um, to not, don't ignore that feeling. Um, you know, always trust that, you know, the spirit is guiding you for a reason and, um, you know, trust the people who are encouraging you to, you know, do so. Um, you know, the people around you or your, the people that you turn to for advice will never steer you the wrong way. And um, know that, you know, you're making our ancestors proud in, in everything that you do that involves the culture and the language. And you're a part of the um, preservation of our, of our people when you're learning the culture and language. And, um, you know, like I said before, to find out who you are and who you come from and where you come from is um, it's a really healing journey to do. And I just, uh, I'm thankful and, um, you know, I'm really thankful for the people who encouraged me to, you know, be here. And I, I hope that I'm that encouragement for my students and, you know, for anyone who wants to become a teacher. I have some students here that say they want to be language and culture teachers. Mm -hmm. So I do have, you know, there are interests in, in our community of people who are wanting to be, you know, teachers. And, you know, I'm really young. I, I am a young teacher. And um, so it took me being brave also. So I encourage our people to be brave and not be afraid of, you know, don't hold yourself back from the things that are that our opportunity always awaits you. And, um, but I just encourage everybody, you know, encouragement goes a long way. And so anybody who, you know, is thinking about, you know, diving deeper into the language, I encourage you to do it. Awesome. And Heishka, Heishka, thank you for having me and thank you for listening. Yes. Well, I just want to say Heishka and thank you for 
taking the time and just doing this. I know I reached out to you a while ago. So yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad I got to sit down with you. Yeah, I'm really glad you shared your words and your stories today. I really appreciate it. And everyone that's going to listen to this is yes. going to appreciate it. Hi, Shika. Thank you for listening to Young and Indigenous. This episode was produced by Bella James and Roy Alexander. Original music by Mark Nichols, Keith Jefferson, and Adam Lawrence. And a huge thank you to our funders, the Discern Foundation and the Whatcom Community Foundation. And many heishkas to the Lactamish singers for providing their songs. Yay Podcast is a part of Children of the Setting Sun Productions. We are a nonprofit based in Bellingham, Washington, on the ancestral homelands of the Nooksack and Lummi people.